Chapter 18 Springfield backed his jeep into a clearing, hoping to make it easier for the other deputies to spot it through the trees. The sheriff had gone quiet, not knowing what to think of this strange place, and horrified by the possibilities of what could be inside. The hearse was in there for certain, but what had driven it there was the scary part, and what they were now likely doing to Wendy was even harder to think about. The situation was bad. It grown dark beneath the thick of trees. Bugs were everywhere, flying right into the windows of the truck and crawling all over the hood. Springfield snorted, cramming his pockets full of bullets. You're going to stay here and wait for Fontaine, he said, handing the sheriff his keys and a few rounds for himself. If he isn't here in ten minutes, I want you to pull back up to the building and kick on the siren. Just roll down the window and fire at anyone who runs out. The sheriff shook his head. It was an awful plan. But he couldn't think of a better idea. His face hurt and his legs were stiff. He drew in a breath and looked around. I got a bad feeling about this, Dusty, he said, lifting his eyes up into the branches. I think you ought to wait till Fontaine gets here, too. Don't go by yourself. Springfield lowered his hat and pulled on his gloves. They got Wendy in there, he said coldly, almost talking to himself. I'm not waiting for shit. I'm going to circle around and try to get in through the back. If there is a back door, that is. Otherwise, I'll kick in a window. If you and the others get in there, be on the lookout for me. I'll be running out with her as soon as I can. Why don't we just go up and knock, Dubois suggested. Springfield thought this over, realizing it wasn't a terrible idea. But they'd need more backup to do that. Time mattered more now. He checked his rifle with a snap and opened his door. There isn't time for that now, he said, climbing out into the grass and scanning the woods. I'd prefer another way too, but it's come to this. If you hear any shots fired, get behind the wheel and drive up there as fast as you can. If I'm dead, go in after Wendy. You get her out of there. Promise me that. Dubois looked his deputy in the face. His eyes were vacant, almost glowing red from beneath the shadow of his hat. Standing there in the grass, Springfield felt in the cold wind that these would be his last moments alive. But just like his troubles in life, he swallowed his own acceptance of death silently. Then he tucked a gun in his belt, spat, and turned away, walking through the trees with a rifle drawn up to one shoulder. The sheriff sat helpless, practically stuck in the jeep by his enormous belly. He twisted and grunted, pulling off his hat and looking around for something to hold. He grabbed at the bars of the caged back seat and rotated himself sideways, stopping a moment to catch his breath. The lack of sleep was hitting him hard. He glanced through the windshield. Springfield had become a tiny yellow speck, weaving far off among the low branches. Then he vanished over a rise, dropping entirely out of sight. Dubois figured 
He would reach the building within a minute, and the firing would soon begin. He didn't want to be stuck in the passenger seat when that happened. He turned the radio on, but got no signal. He flipped it off and sighed, looking up into his reflection in the rearview mirror. He opened his door and wiggled out, landing his boots into a bed of dead leaves and lurching out of the cab with his hands held to the doorframe. He stood and looked around, holding his hat down against a strange wind that begun to pick up. Dusty, he called, cupping his hand to his mouth. It was useless. The deputy was gone. Dubois slammed his door closed and staggered around the truck to the driver's side, fishing in his pocket for the keys. He pulled them out, but they fell from his trembling fingers and landed in the dirt at his feet. Dubois had never been good at bending over. He clutched his side and knelt as best he could, balancing himself against the truck to keep from falling over. The keys jingled as his hand dangled over them, almost picking them up. He grew dizzy. Then suddenly, the wind spoke. Arlene, the moving trees seemed to say. It was the voice of his mother. Finally, after nearly an entire day, she had returned to help him. Dubois shot up and looked around. Mom, he asked, spinning in place. Is that you? He heard the crunch of light footsteps sifting over the forest floor. Then he turned and saw her walking toward him, walking the same way she had near the end of her life, with a frail limp and her arms up at her chest. She wore a simple cotton gown, one she'd sewn herself. She was white as a rabbit and thin as a post, neither dead nor alive. She brushed a hair from her eyes as she reached him and smiled as she took his arm for support to stand. As Dubois held her by the wrist, his fingers burned with the frigid chill of the afterlife. The sheriff was no stranger to the ghost of his mother or her ice-cold skin. It was just her spirit he cared about. What she'd become didn't bother him, though he was thankful she'd chosen to appear as he remembered her instead of as an animal or an object. He'd had enough confusion and surprises today. Looking at her mystical, radiant eyes, he felt peace. She patted him on the chest and picked up the keys, handing them to him with a smile. Dubois took them and stuck them back in his pocket, a little embarrassed. Thanks, Mom, he said, tipping his hat. Where have you been? I could have used your help a lot today. He glanced over her shoulder at the rise Springfield had disappeared over. I had my own work to take care of, his mother said. They looked at one another a moment, Dubois trying his best to not tear up. Well, what should I do now, he asked. Did you come to tell me to not go up there after him? His mother's eyes paled, then fell to the dirt and leaves. It seemed that what she needed to say was hard for her to do. That's why I've been gone, she said. 
I was trying to reason with the things that are going to happen to you. Reason with them on my own. I didn't want to trouble you. Dubois looked confused and shook his head. What things are going to happen to me, he asked, his voice breaking up. What do you mean? Is something bad going to happen, Mom? His mother looked at him, holding back chrome tears. I raised you to be strong and good, she said, smiling at him. So that means this is my fault. That's what I've been dealing with today. The knowing that it's the good in you, the strength I gave you, that will lead you over that rise and out of this world. What? Dubois asked, trying his best to understand. I came to stop you, she said distantly. I came to tell you that if you go after Dusty, if you go into that building, you're going to die. You're going to die, Arlene. You and everybody else, you're all going to die. Those things are going to get you. She clutched him by the collar and pulled him close to her face, whispering. They're going to eat you. That's what they do. Dubois pushed her off of him, terrified by her cold breath and unfamiliar tone. He wrestled her as she flailed, trying desperately to hold him back against the truck. I know I can't stop you, she said. You're too good, and that's why. Please don't go, Arlene. Just let them take Dusty and Wendy. They already have, anyway. Save yourself. Save Fontaine. He's a good one like you. Don't drag him into this. Don't lead him into that darkness. Dubois took a few steps away, hunching to catch his breath. He pulled off his hat and shut his eyes. His nose began to run. His mother turned and floated over to him, resting a hand on his back the way she often did while he slept. She looked into his mind, seeing all that would come. A tear ran down her face. She brushed it with a marble hand and looked up into the trees as they moved in an uncomfortable wind. You are so brave, she said. I love you so much, and I'm so proud of you. With those final words, the wind picked up, and she vanished, evaporating into the light and dispersing with the leaves that swirled upward and away. Now the sheriff was alone, but with greater knowledge, a daunting prophecy he'd not expected. His own death lay before him. And by his mother's words, he gathered that his demise would come with horror and pain. But he sensed it was inevitable. His only choice now was to turn and run in fear, abandoning Springfield and Wendy in a cowardly attempt to spare his own pathetic life, something his conscience could not allow. Now fear meant nothing. That's why his mother had come at last, to take the burden of that fear from him. He rose and put his hat back on, realizing that only one option remained. He stomped back over to the truck and climbed in behind the wheel. He slammed his door closed, pulled out the keys, and started the engine. In a smooth arc, he spun the truck around and drove back through the trees toward Fast Stop and the deadly things waiting for him 
inside.